Well, how many of you are glad living He loved us? Huh? How many of you are glad dying He saved us? How many of you are glad buried He carried our sins far away? And how many of you are glad you ain't convinced me yet that rising He justified us freely forever? And how many of you are glad that one day, and I believe one day soon, that eastern sky is going to split and He is coming again? Amen. He said, I will come. It happened. He said, I will die. It did happen. He said, I will rise again. And I remind you, it did happen. And I'm telling you today, He said, I'm coming again. Be ready because it's going to happen. Amen. I think what we can do for some cold is just get all excited about Jesus and just shout to Him a hearty, praise the Lord. And you're not there yet. You're cold, aren't you? Let's shout to Him one more time. Praise the Lord. All right. You're not going to get there, but I am. Let's go. Boy, sometimes it's hard to get going. I watched from the fireplace out the window. Donna was having a time this morning. Maybe sometimes when you're up here and you're preaching, it's a little harder to get going out there. But I hope that you'll get there. Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 5. Now, I've heard lots of sermons out of this text. And you may not know what it was till you get there, but it's the parable of the sower and the seed. Sit and soak on this. Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 4. And when a great multitude had gathered, and they come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. He said, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down. And the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because the lack of moisture. Some of it fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, I'm going to say it to you, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I want every one of you to look up at me. I want every one of you that's able to take your two hands and touch right there on each side of your head and tell me, do you feel a couple of ears? Just show me. Yep. So what Jesus just cried out and said, every one of you that have ears, and you just told me you've all got ears to hear, I'm telling you, I'm crying out for you to hear today. And he said, then his disciples asked him, saying, what does this parable mean? And he said, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Listen here. Now the parable is this. The seed is the Word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the Word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Now I've heard it preached several times maybe never to the point that I've chewed on it as much as it was preached by Gary Caldwell the day that he had a basket full of seeds and would just continue to tell us, sow the seed, and he just made a mess of our floors. He threw the seeds on the floor. Man, I'm telling you, I have chewed on that message many a times. And that message has helped me through some days when I really didn't feel like sowing the seed. But every time I've heard this preach, I've heard, man, this parable speaks of three things. And the first is that of the seed. 
Now, many of the parables in the Bible, look at me, listen to me, help me out today. They don't tell us what they mean. So I'm convinced when we get to heaven, many of the parables in the Bible, we will realize we took that parable and we preached something completely different than what Jesus meant by it. Maybe I'm the only one that would admit that. But I'm convinced there is parables in the Bible because He didn't give us the meaning of them that we've taken and found some kind of other interpretation for that. And I'm thankful for God's mercy and His forgiveness because I'm sure I've done that. It will not be the case in this parable, Brother Lincoln, because He gave us the meaning of this parable and He simply said, The seed is the Word of God. I'm thankful for that lest we have some wild interpretation of what the seed might be. But we know the seed is the Word of God. Then secondly, we always bring out the sower. Who is the sower? That's the children of God led by the Spirit of God. And let me just tell you, you can be a seed sower through song. When, when David leads and our praise team leads through song, those songs are backed up by Scripture. And let me tell you what they're doing. They're sowing the seed of word through, through song. You can do that through teaching Sunday school class. I'm fixing to be a sower of the seed when I preach to you. But don't you forget, every born-again child of God can be a sower when you share your faith, when you share the Word of God, or even to the point you can be a sower of the seed by simply leaving a gospel track with your tip in it at a restaurant. That's the sower's. Anybody that sows the seed through song, through track, through just with your lips sharing. And then it gives us the soil. That's the third thing. It's always brought out of this, isn't it? The soil. I mean, the soil is the heart of mankind. And mankind, we all know, has a different heart. Some have a hard heart. Some's got a stony heart. Some's got a heart for the things of the world. But some of them are good soil. The good soil, they got a good heart. And there's the ones that's going to, some bring forth 30, 60, and 100 fold, right? Always when this is preached, are you staying with me? Say, I am. Three things are jumping out. And what is it? It's the seed. It's the sower. And it's the soul. But look up here. I think there's a fourth thing that ought to jump out to us. And it's Satan. Because as the seed, the Word of God, is sowed and it falls on the heart. Look at verse 12. Look at what it says. It says, those by the wayside are the ones that hear. Then the devil comes and takes the word out of their heart. Why does he do that? He gives us the answer right there. Lest they should believe and be saved. I think often we miss that we don't point out the devil in this scripture and what he does. So when everybody look at me and I want you to use your imagination and I want you to picture what's been just set in front of us. And that is a man with a bag full of seed, which is the Word of God. And he, the picture shows us that he's just going forth, scattering and sowing that seed. Do you get that picture? Okay, in that picture, do you see the devil at a distance? Do you? And he's watching this seed being sown. And when he sees it hit on a hard heart, the devil in the background has to rush in. Are you getting the picture? And he has to snatch that seed off of that hard heart. Why? Lest they believe and would be saved. Now I want everybody to look up here and listen to me. I've learned something about the devil. There's a lot of things that he is capable of doing that we don't read about in the Bible. And he's really good at what he does. The devil is very sly. He's very smart. And when I preach that, inevitably somebody will come up and say, I don't appreciate you calling the devil smart. I think the devil's dumber than a stump. And I just say to them, he is the one that kicked the props out from under mankind. He's very good at what he does. So when I picture him, if you're listening, say, I am. When I picture him, as this man sows the seed, the Word of God, 
And I picture him wanting to run in and snatch that, lest they hear and be saved. No, they done heard it. Lest they believe and be saved. So here's my question. Can you unhear something you've heard? I mean, let somebody tell a lie about somebody far-fetched and you have to hear it time and time. You may know it's not true, but you can never unhear what you've heard. You got that? So me knowing the devil is really good at what he does. I'm convinced here's what he realized when he watched that man sow the seed. And he'd have to run in there and snatch that off the heart, a hard heart. Why? Lest they should believe and be saved. Listen to me. I am convinced he's so sharp, here's what he's done. And I want you to think about this. Would it be easier to snatch the seed out of a heart that's heard because you can't unhear? Or would it be smarter and easier to snatch the seed out of the hand that holds it? Which would be easier? Which would be smarter? Is it easier to snatch it out of a heart that's heard it because you can't unhear things? Or would it be easier and would it be more, could he get more out of it? Hey, Rather than me running around and trying to snatch this out of a heart that's hurt it, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to snatch it out of the hands that holds it. And I'm convinced the devil's done that. Why? Because the stat that I said, the stat that Trenton gave in the kingdom fit men, 90% of Christians never share their faith. So you know what that tells me? That confirms to me that the devil says, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll snatch the seed out of the hand that holds it because that's way easier than snatching it out of the heart that's hurt it. So are you with me? Last week, what did I preach? Did you done forget it? Don't let the devil do your thinking. This week, I'm going to preach a sermon that I've entitled, Don't Let the Devil Get the Seed. Don't let the devil get the seed out of your hand. Because if you are a born-again child of God, let me tell you what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be sowing the seed. And there's so many people that are not sowing the seed, I'm convinced the devil has got the seed out of the hand that holds it. How's he done that? And how can you prevent him from doing that? How can you get the seed back in your hand and begin to sow it? How has the devil snatched the seed out of the hand that holds it? Number one, if you're ready for it, say, I am. He's done it by intimidation. Now listen, Jesus said the world will hate you. Why? Because it hated me before it hated you. Then it goes on to say, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore, guess what? The world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, held that against me, then they'll keep your words also, hold that against you. Listen to verse 21. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. Now I want you to listen to this next verse. If I had not come, Jesus just said, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. Wait a minute. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Now let me just straighten that up, lest you would would be naive enough to believe that before Jesus come, they didn't have no sin. That's not what he meant. They had sin since the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden. Sin has been in this world. But they was just carrying on. They was in the dark. They was living a lie. You with me? But here come the truth. Expose the lie. 
here come the light and expose the darkness. And these people was in the dark and living a lie. But when Jesus came, who said, I am the truth, He exposed their sin. He exposed the darkness. And because Jesus come, guess what? Their sin's been exposed and they have no excuse. They have to admit, I have sinned. I'm a sinner. I've fallen short of the glory of God. And let me tell you, ever since Jesus came and exposed mankind's sin and exposed the darkness that's in this world, let me tell you what they've done. They've hated Him. I mean, come on, you've been in the dark and somebody flip on the lights, it hurts, don't it? I mean, you're doing that. That's what Jesus done to them. You've been living a lie, but somebody comes in and gives you the cold, hard truth. It hurts because it shows you what you are. And ever since Jesus has done that, let me tell you, the world that loved their lies and loved their darkness, they've hated Him because He's the light and He's the truth. Are you with me? So guess what? When people get saved, let me tell you, and you know the truth and you begin to speak the truth, you know what I mean? You know what people that still live in a lie and still living in darkness are going to do? They're going to intimidate you and they're not going to like what you're saying. Is there a biblical illustration of that? How about Acts chapter 4? Peter and John's headed to pray and they miraculously touch and heal a crippled man. Right? And in Acts chapter 4, what happens is the people, that's just the everyday people, it says it right in your Bible, the priests, the captain of the temple, the Sadducees, you know what happened? They was greatly disturbed. Some light just got shined in on their darkness, shone in on their darkness. How did it happen? It happened while they taught people and preached Jesus. Do I need to explain that? It happened while they was, come on, sowing the seed. When they're sowing the seed, it greatly disturbed all these people, even the religious people. So what did they do? It disturbed them so much, they laid hands on them, pop, pop, put them in custody. However, many believed. Because they wasn't intimidated because they were sowing the seed. My Bible says about 5,000 men believed. And so they pull them in and they begin to question them. They saw their boldness. Now I want you to listen to this next, next words that come out of the Bible. They perceived these men that had been sowing the seed. Listen to what they said about them. They're uneducated. Bunch of fishermen, bunch of country boys, bunch of farm boys. They're uneducated and they're untrained. But yet these people marveled. These ones that were disturbed. Why did they marvel? Because they realized they had been with Jesus. Can I stop and preach here a minute? I'd much rather to listen to an uneducated and an untrained man that's been with Jesus than listen to some educated man and trained man that wouldn't know Jesus if he met him over there in that broom closet. And what's happened, these men just run on to some men that were seed sowers and they were sowing the seed, the Word of God. And these people marveled. They're uneducated, they're untrained, but man, are they been with Jesus. And they couldn't argue because why? This man has has been healed. So what happens? Peter, John, and hey, you, that guy's been healed. Step outside for a minute. we got to step outside. So what happened? Go read it. And they said, what do we do? There's been a miracle performed. I mean, we cannot argue what they just said. But what do we do to make sure that it's not further spread? Huh? This is right in the Bible. So they brought them back in. And my Bible says they severely threatened them. What, what point am I preaching here? Oh, yeah. Don't let the devil get the seed out of your hand by what? Intimidation. Seems to me like they severely threaten him. They're trying to intimidate these two men who have been sowing seeds. Anybody picking up what I'm putting down today? They tried to get them to quit sowing seed by intimidating them and severely threaten them. And they said, you are to no longer speak in the name of Jesus. 
Now, here's what I love about this story. You should go read it when you get home. It's cold. You can't do nothing else. They said, do you think it's right? Can you just see these two men? Do you think it's right us to listen to you more than God? (laughs) You judge that. For we cannot but speak of the things which we've seen and heard. Don't you think it's high time that Christians come to that point? We cannot help but sow the seed. The Word of God, the things which we've seen and heard, we can't help them. So what they do? They further threaten them. They try to intimidate them just a little more. Are you staying with me? And then they let them go. So what this bunch do? Did they quit sowing? Huh? Did they quit sowing the seed because of intimidation? No, they went back. Come back into the church. Hey, you guys, you've been sitting here. Let me just tell you what happened to us. Me and old Peter boy, we down there. We healed a man. They pulled us in, told us no more. They tried to intimidate us, slapped us around just a little bit, and told us this, and no more will you speak in that name. We asked them, say, hey, should we listen to you or God? And, and we said, we're going to keep on keeping on. They threatened us. They tried to intimidate us down there, and they report this to the church, and they said, what shall we do? And I'll tell you what they done. You can read it. They got on their knees. They got on their knees when that was reported in Acts chapter 4 verse 29. Now Lord, look on their threats. Look upon their intimidating things that they've done to us and grant to your servants that us that with all boldness we may speak your word or in other words, let us with all boldness continue to sow your seed no matter how much we're threatened, no matter how much we're intimidated, God help us grant us the boldness to keep sowing your seed and I'm telling you it's been that way from the start the devil has tried to get the seed out of the children of God's hand and he's tried to do that by intimidation and it looks to me like he's done a pretty good job of it I mean I want you to Realize the world that we live in, and it's controlled by media. Now, the New York Times, according to them, is the most influential newspaper in the world. Isn't it something how you can say what you want to say? And according to us, we're the most influential newspaper in the world. Some of you just don't get it, do you? It's the media trying to intimidate us. You know what was in the New York Times recently? Listen to this. There are no absolute truths. And those who try to preach to you there is an absolute truth, they're crazy. Let me tell you what a very influential paper, according to them, is trying to do to you, to me. They're trying to intimidate us, and they're trying to get us to quit sowing the seed through intimidation. But it's been going on, and it's just going to wax worse and worse. I love what Trenton put in, in Kingdom Fit Men. He said, D.L. Moody once asked a young man on the streets of Chicago, Are you saved? Come on. Think this ain't intimidating? What did he say? That's none of your business. Thank God there's D.L. Moody's in the world that's not going to be intimidated by someone when we ask, are you saved? And they reply, that's none of your business. D.L. Moody, calm, cool, and collected, simply replied, young man, it is my business because when I got saved and I become a Christian, that become my business. D.L. Moody just said to a young man that tried to intimidate him by telling him that him being saved is none of his business, he just calm, cool, and collected said when I got saved it become my business and I'm going to continue to sow the seed even in front and to the ones that tell me it's not my business because the truth of the matter is when I got saved I'm commanded it become my business to sow the seed don't let the devil get the seed by intimidation and that's going to get worse and worse and worse I remember when all the same-sex marriages come out, and I don't know if it's called panic, but it's called concern, and our elders begin to talk to us about, among ourselves about the bylaws because will we be forced to perform a same-sex marriage ceremony and so on and so on. 
I didn't get too shook up about it, and they looked into it, and here's what I simply said. I'm not performing one. I don't do weddings where alcohol is going to be involved. I'll pick and choose where and when I do a wedding, and there's no sense in redoing the bylaws because we're dealing with lawyers. They know the loopholes in the bylaws. Forget it. We just got to understand these things are going to happen. We cannot let them intimidate us, and if it means I go to jail, then I'll have a captive audience to preach to, and I'm just telling you those times are coming, and they're going to get worse and worse. And let me just ask you, when it comes to the point of you getting thrown in jail, beaten, when it comes to sowing the seed God's word are you going to buckle are you going to quit because of their intimidation are you going to stand when nobody else will stand and sow the word of God sow the seed come on don't let the intimidation steal the seed out of your hand but then look here secondly don't let the devil steal the seed out of your hand if it ain't by intimidation let me tell you what it might be by evaluation evaluation I want you to listen to Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4. Listen to this. He who observes the wind will not sow. And he who regards the clouds shall not reap. And he, as you do not know what is the way of the wind or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child, so you do not know the works of God who makes everything. In the morning, sow your seed. And in the evening, do not withhold your hand. You know what he just said? Don't worry about the wind. Don't worry about the clouds. In the morning, sow the seed. Don't try to evaluate the wind and the clouds. Sow the seed. Sow your seed in the morning. And when the evening comes, do not withdraw your hand. Keep sowing the seed. Now listen to what he goes on to say. For you do not know which will prosper. He's saying, not only do you discern when to sow, you always sow. But I'm telling you right here, you don't even need to discern what seed to sow. Sow it all. That's the Word of God from front to back. Either this or that, or whether both alike shall be good. So here we are as Christians. Well, it's not the time to witness. It's not the time to sow the seed. He just said, sow the seed in the morning. Well, it's just not time. It's not convenient. Don't withhold your hand of an evening. And then he goes on and says, you don't even know which seed will prosper. So not only do we evaluate, are you guys staying with me? Not only do we evaluate where we sow it, he says, you don't know which seed will prosper. You know what we're guilty of doing? Picture this man with a handful of seed. And he begins to look at the seed. Well, that one looks a little puny. That one looks a little funny shape. I'm going to trash it. Well, that one, it, it, it looks like it's already... And so all of a sudden, not only are we not sowing, we're picking which seed that we think will, will sprout and bring forth fruit. That's what he's saying. And, and isn't it something we've come to that day and time? What does, what does the Bible tell us in 1 Timothy 3.16? All Scripture. All Scripture is given by who? God. And it's profitable. Huh? All Scripture. We live in a day and time where we got seminaries, God help us, that say not the whole Word of God is inspired by God, and they think we believe they're smart enough to pick out which ones. That's what the Ecclesiastes writer's saying. You guys are picking out, what are you going to do, just pick out some that don't work for you? Isn't it something how we can let the devil get the seed out of our hand? And, and what the Word of God says, don't worry about when, don't worry about where, don't worry about what. In the morning, sow the seed. In the evening, do not do not withhold your hand. Sow the seed. Well, we're good at evaluating, aren't we? That's why I love Gary Caldwell's sermon. Sow the seed. Quit being an evaluator of the soil. And then we get even guilty of evaluating the seed, which one will work. I want you to look up here, and I want you to listen. It was last year after the Mays County Fair Service. thought it was a perfect week because we, we, always, we always cancel the evening service because that day is so long and we take the tent down. And, and so when I, was, I had the opportunity to go preach revival up to the north and the west, I took that opportunity, look, I'll start Sunday evening. And I won't even have to miss a service. We're not having service. And I'll preach Sunday evening and Monday evening and Tuesday evening and Wednesday evening. And 
Let me just tell you where it was. It was a two-hour drive, a little over two-hour drive from my house to there. You take an hour and an hour and a half service, are you with me? We're now up to three and a half hours, and then it's a two-hour drive back. So it's five and a half hours that I'm going to give up on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. If I've done my math right, that's 22 hours of my life that I'll never get back. You sticking with me? And when I walked in that church, I want you to look at me and listen. When I walked in that church that Sunday evening and I listened to the music, as one preacher one time said, he sounded like a hoot owl with a post-nasal drip. It was awful. And why the singing was awful, look at me. Not one person stood to their feet. Not one person showed any emotion while they sang about the greatness of our God. And I'm standing back and I'm watching this. And I said, come on, God. Come on. For real? I told them I'd come up here. takes me about five and a half hours and I'm going to do this Monday and Tuesday and the music is that bad and the crowd is worse than the music and let me tell you what I began to do at the back of that church I began to evaluate and the more I listened to that terrible singing and the more I watched that terrible attitude Man, I began to pick which seed I was fixing to sow. In case you didn't figure out what I was back there doing, I was fixing to throw me a wall-eyed fit in what I thought that church needed. You with me? Do you folks understand what I was doing back there in the back? I was doing some evaluating. Huh? When they got done singing... I want you to listen to me. I headed to that pulpit. God got a hold of this heart. He said, I tell you what you do, preacher boy. I sent you here. And you preach what I say because I know way more what's going on here than you do. See, I was guilty of standing at the back and doing some evaluating. And I was fixing to give them the seed I thought they needed. And on the way up there, God says, now listen to me, preacher boy. I'll do the evaluating, and you preach what I say to preach. Man with a broken heart, I preach to him. Tell you how bad it was. Brother Rusty Gardner, he's our shouter, isn't he? You guys don't know him as much here at Telequal, but if you ever watch a live stream, he's the one you can hear over the preacher at times. He calls me Monday. Brother, you want somebody ride up there to that revival service with you? I said, tickle me to death, Brother Gardner, but let me tell you, it ain't nothing like you're used to seeing. Oh, it ain't that bad, is it, Brother? I said, y you tell me when we leave tonight. Me and old Rusty walk in the church. We stand at the back, and you know what happened? Music was still awful. Still sounded like that hoot owl with a post-nasal drip. You know what happened? Them people were still sitting there with the Terrible attitude about cuss there. Terrible. But old Rusty, he's our shouter. <laughs> in the middle of one of them songs, me and him was the only two in the building standing. In the middle of one of them songs, old Rusty shouted, Hallelujah! Amen! Boy, there was three old women in that next to the back row. Their heads spun around, and they give Rusty the dirtiest look I've ever seen. I, Donna hadn't even given me that dirty a look. Ashley come close, but Donna, I mean, it was terrible. And I'm telling you right now, if looks could have killed that day, I'd have been hauling Rusty Gardner's corpse back home with me that night. It was terrible. And I didn't think you could shut Rusty up, but boy, I mean, he sat down like a little whooped pup the rest of that service. I never got an amen out of him while I was preaching. I went back Tuesday night. And every time I'd head to the altar, whether it was Sunday night, Monday night, or Tuesday night, or Wednesday night, God would say, I'll do the evaluation, and you preach what I tell you to preach. And I'm going to tell you, it had been cold, it had been hard. And Wednesday night, I preached what God told me to preach. 
And about a 12-year-old girl got up out of her seat, and she came down there in front of me with tears streaming down her face. And she said, I want to be saved. Man, I just pointed to the preacher, and he took her, and I watched him love on her. I watched him share the Word of God with her. And I'm just going to tell you, I was standing in that pulpit. Thought I was fixing to waste about 22 hours of my life. A lot of gas money and a lot of time. And when I was watching her, I just said, thank you, Lord. Help me to always remember, preach what you tell me to preach. Go where you tell me to go. Because it's evident you know quite a bit more about this than I do. Amen. Isn't it something how we let the devil snatch the seed out of our hand? Because we begin to evaluation and an observation, and that hinders our proclamation. Folks, we're to go tell it on the mountain, over the hill, and everywhere. That's Monty June's favorite song. We don't just listen to it at Christmas. We listen to it seven, eight times a day when she's with me. And I'm glad we do because I hope it gets into her heart. And I hope she never lets evaluation and observation stop her from the proclamation. Sowing the seed. Amen. So you with me? The devil, he can get the seed out of your hand. How can he do it? By intimidation. How can he do it? By evaluation. We think we know what they need and who needs it. But lastly, and I'm going to be done. We're still almost 15 minutes till the hour. How else can he do it? Through germination. What are you saying, preacher? Well, we live in a microwave world. We live in a fast food world. We want what we want, and we want it now. Five minutes, I want my food. We don't want to have to wait for our food. We don't, have to, we don't want to have to wait for anything. We don't want to have to work for a weight loss. We don't have to work for a, 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 a vertical jump goal. We don't want to have to work to get in that winter circle. We want it, and we want it now. Can, can I get a witness? We live in a fast food microwave world. So what happens to us who sow the seed? If the germination, if it don't come up the next morning... I'm going to quit sowing the seed. Well, what do you think Paul was telling the church at Galatia? Do not grow weary while doing good. Because if you do not lose heart, you will what? Reap in due season. You know what Paul was saying? You may never see the seed that you plant germinate. You may never see it. Can I just tell you one of the toughest things that's been on me? is to leave four times a year to those kef opens and preach the gospel. When I leave, it, listen, there ain't no love offering. There ain't, listen, buy your own room. Buy your own food. And let me just tell you how gracious they are. They're so caught up in the kef open, and, and there's nothing wrong with this, but listen to me. They'll look at me and say, oh, yeah, Rob, it's time for your devotion. There ain't no introduction. They don't do nothing to get the people's attention. They just throw you a mic. And all you're doing, you're just trying to get their attention. You're trying to draw them in. You're, you're trying to get them. And I mean, you're fighting it. And, 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 and the Lord's blessed it. You get their attention. There'll be 80, 90 ropers at a time. There's times when there's 500 in that building that's, after you finally get their attention. And usually I come off of there so frustrated because that's intimidating. They don't, they don't get the, t- they don't set you up. I come off there because of the evaluation. It don't look like it went very good. And I don't know how many times I've been doing it for about 12 or 13 years. I want you to look at me. I don't know how many times I've called home if Donna ain't with me. Or I've told her when she's with with, when she is with me. Man, I just don't know if this is even worth it. <laughs> I just don't know if it's worth the four or five days, four or five times a year, Guthrie, Oklahoma, Glen Rose, Texas, Las Vegas, Nevada, try to go ahead and sow seed on a Sunday morning in Las Vegas after they've had a Las Vegas Saturday night. I've preached there. That ain't a fun place to preach when they've had a Las Vegas Saturday night preaching in Las Vegas. And it just makes me wonder, is it worth it? But when I study in this sermon, boy, the devil... He can get us by germination. If it don't germinate and pop up immediately, we're, we're, we're guilty of quit sowing the seed, aren't we? And then the Lord showed me. No, you keep on going. Just keep on keeping on. 
And he says, because what if one day you step into heaven? Remember that song, thank you for giving to the Lord. The Lord just revealed to me, what if one day you step in heaven and there's a little old young boy that steps up to you smiling and say, hey, brother Rob. And I look at him and say, man, how you doing? I don't know you. Should I know you? Oh, you probably don't know me. But I just want to thank you. What do you want to thank me for, son? Because one of those days you were standing in Guthrie. One of those days they handed you the mic. And man, you just began to preach God's Word. And I remember that day you took John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I just remember that day. It didn't seem like it took you five minutes, but I'm telling you, you broke it down. And I saw some things in that verse that I'd never saw before. Man, I knew I needed to be saved that day. And I even wanted to come and talk to you that day. But, man, I didn't do it. But I want to tell you, the days and the weeks and even the months after, I could still picture you standing there and I could still hear those words, that Scripture coming out of your mouth. And, man, one day I just want to tell you, thank you, because one day I went to the practice pen. I was the guy sitting on the little spotted horse. And one day I went to the practice pen and I just couldn't get out of my heart what you'd said that day and I just want you to know I knelt down in the practice pen at home and I asked that John 3.16 feller to forgive me and come into my life and I know you don't know me Rob but I just want to thank you that you sowed the seed that day I want you to look at me and listen to me we may never know this side of heaven what happened to the seed we sowed in somebody's life and I just trust in heaven if we don't let the devil get the seed out of our hand, if we keep sowing it, all of us will have somebody come up to us in heaven that we didn't think the seed done anything. And they thank us because we sowed the seed in their life. And one day, not when we thought, one day that seed germinated, God give the increase and save their soul. You're awful quiet this morning. But that's a good thing. Because last week we found out we don't want the devil doing our thinking. This week we're finding out we, won't, we don't want the devil taking the seed out of our hand. How's he trying to do it? Intimidation. How's he trying to do it? By our evaluation. How's he trying to do it? By God's germination. He's the one that brings the seed to sprout. I hustled around the best I could yesterday because I wanted to get to Boyd and Connie Rice's. I think I walked in just a little before 3 o'clock. And when I walked in the door, that whole family was surrounded Boyd's hospital bed. It was crying. They was weeping. I think if you'd have been there, you'd have thought what I thought. Boyd's gone. I don't think anybody realized I'd even stepped in. I don't think one person knew the preacher had stepped in the door. And I just began to observe, and they, uh, they was just weeping. They was just crying. And in my mind, I thought, he's gone. And I stood there for quite a while thinking, he's gone. And all of a sudden, Boyd went, And I thought, well, he's not gone. And I listened to him sing hymns. I listened to that family say, I'll fly away. I watched that family sing Amazing Grace around that hospital bed. They asked me when they realized I was there, will you pray that he just let go and let God? Will you pray that he'll that God would take him right now. <laughs> he's suffered. He's fought it. How many of us know he's fought it for a while? I just simply stepped up there. The family and I joined hands and we prayed. God, if it be your will, take Boyd. Man, he's suffered long enough. Take Boyd. 
if it be your will. We don't want to watch him suffer any longer. After I prayed that prayer, I just stepped back and sat down on a piano bench. Watched the hospice nurse come. I just sat there and I watched it all for over three hours. I don't know how many times I thought he was gone. But finally, I began to look at the clock and watch the clock above his bed. And the best I can tell you, about every four minutes, nothing for another four minutes and about four minutes. Watch up for about three and a half hours. Ain't no good. I don't know how you can go that long without breathing. But as I sat there, let me tell you what it done. It took me to another place and it took me to another time. As I watched that family, you know where it took me? It took me to the bedroom where Thelbert Barnes lie with the same disease called cancer. Six foot four, as tough as any man I've ever known. I watched cancer eat away at his body. A week or two before he died, I remember him sitting in his wheelchair. and He looked at me and he said, can you help me back in that bed? And it broke my heart of how weak that man had become because it was dead weight, no help from him, trying to waller him back in that hospital bed. I watched cancer continue to eat away at his body. That's where it took me back as I sat on that piano bench. I I went back to that place. Are you listening to me? And one day I was back there in that bedroom, and I was watching him struggle to live. And I never dreamed I'd do it from the time I met Miss Donna in 1984. And neither one of us knew Jesus, and we was both just a tick hard headed Who would ever dream that I'd have been in the bedroom that day and took that once was big old strong hand and put it between my hands? Who would have ever thought that I knelt down to my father-in-law, a rough and a tough, hard-hearted man, and just simply say to him, I love you. It's all right to go. Prayed with him. And I turned to walk out that bedroom that day. And with a real weak voice, Thelbert Barnes said, Robbie, and I stopped. And I looked over about as far as Lauren is from me, and I said, yeah. And he raised that old hand up. It was weak. It was shaking. And he says, Robbie, you keep on keeping on. You hear me? That's the last words I ever heard my father-in-law say. That's been a few years ago. But yesterday, I sat on a piano bench and I watched the family in front of me. And I realized what my father-in-law was telling me. Robbie, yeah, Philbert, keep on sowing the seed. Because I'm one that's grateful that you did. Many of you don't know Thelbert Barnes, but if you look up the word intimidation in the Bible, I'm not sure his name wouldn't have been beside it. One of the most intimidating men I've ever been around in my life. Every time I sowed seed on that soil, let me tell you, I had to overcome intimidation because he was intimidating. And let me tell you, every time I had to overcome that intimidation to sow that seed, I'm just going to tell you, there was always a little evaluation going on. He'll never get saved. 
And just to feed that, you know what the people around them said? They said, you're wasting your time, preacher boy. That man's mean. That man's hard. That man will never get saved. Germination? Five years of sowing through the intimidation. Five years of sowing through the evaluation. One day, Thilbert grabbed me and his son Ray Barnes and he took us over there under a Bradford pear tree in Ray and Kathy Barnes' yard and he turned around and he said, Robbie, I need Jesus. And I don't know if I've ever been squeezed any harder than how Thelbert Barnes took me and Ray, both of us. Ain't very many men get their arms around two grown men. He could. And he almost squeezed the gizzard out of me. I ain't never been squeezed that hard, and I want you to look at me and listen. And I ain't never heard a more fervent cry for forgiveness and salvation than I heard that day. I'm thankful that Thelbert said, Robbie. And I stopped and said, yeah, Thelbert. That he said, keep on keeping on. And what he was saying is, keep on sowing the seed through the intimidation, through the evaluation. And don't even worry about the germination. Robbie, just keep on keeping on. Because somebody in heaven will be there because you keep on, keep on. You're going to get to heaven because somebody didn't let the devil steal the seed out of somebody's hand. Let's stand. Father, my prayer, if there's one within the sound of my voice today that does not know you as Lord and Savior, that today would be the day they step out of their seat They come and let one of us show them from the Word of God how they can have their sins forgiven, how they can have their soul saved, how they can escape an eternal hell and have a home in an eternal heaven. Father, my first prayer is that you would give the increase as the seed has been sown. They simply understand they've sinned and come short of your glory and They simply understand, but you sent your Son to die. And through belief in our heart and confession with our mouth, we can have eternal home in heaven. I pray for souls to be saved today. But Father, I pray Christians will lead them to these altars. I pray Christians will hit these altars today and say, Devil, I'm not going to let you get the seed out of my hand. You're not going to intimidate me. I'm not going to be an evaluator. I'm just going to be a proclaimer. I'm not going to worry about the germination. That's up to you. I'm just going to sow the seed. Would you come to these altars on a cold, cold Sunday morning and say, God, I've heard from you. I'm not going to let the devil get the seed out of my hand through intimidation, evaluation, or germination. God, help me to be a seed sower today. Altars are open. Father, have your way in the hearts of us, your people. In Jesus' name. Amen.